Do I need a life coach? You're listening to episode 33 with Rhiannon Bush. Welcome to the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast. We're here to discuss the ins and outs of the life coaching industry and give you tools to use to see for yourself. I'm your host, Rhiannon Bush, mother, management consultant, and a passionate, certified life coach. Well, hello, my friends. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, The sun is shining here. It is beautiful. The sun still has that little bit of punch, so I'm really enjoying that while it lasts. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we've got chooks. I don't know if I told you that we have chooks and we have them laying eggs and we're trying to work out where is best to put them because I didn't realize firstly how much they eat my god they can eat and the second thing I didn't realize was how much of a mess they make with their claws and the third thing I didn't realize was just how personable they are they are actually lovely so I kind of feel a little bit guilty about eating so much chicken and eggs you know it's pretty big staple in my diet so we got chooks because we eat a lot of eggs and we want to kind of teach our kids about the circle of life and all the rest of it um so i was kind of disappointed if i'm honest to realize that they're actually lovely and wonderful and i kind of love them a little bit i've named them kiev Kachatori, and palmy and i might eat them one day i don't know i don't think i could kill them Unless I knew I was going to be super efficient. And even then, because they're my pets, I just don't think I could do it. But anyway, I do kind of love them. But they are happy. They're outside rummaging. I've finally found a way to keep them down the side of the house because they poo a lot too. Oh my God. Anyway, it's wonderful. Life is wonderful. And today is a pretty juicy episode. So yeah, it happened again. Wanky crap. Inflated egos. Some egos inflicting bruises some egos being bruised. I see it far too often. This particular Facebook post was where a client was looking for a coach and the client signed up to a free training that the coach was hosting, usually to make sales, just to give people a taste, um, which then helps the clients go, yes, this is a coach for me or no, this isn't the coach for me. And then this client gave the feedback that it didn't quite align with them. Um, I didn't read too much into it, but it wasn't quite as direct as, you know, it wasn't as advanced as that client had thought that this coach would have been doing. And on this basis, they wouldn't be continuing with the program. The coach then wrote a post in rebuttal about how this client was clearly being defensive and unable to change or open themselves up to the possibility of what, you know, could be, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm not giving it great credit or a great account of it because honestly I kind of rolled my eyes and kept scrolling (laughs) because it's the same BS, different day. Um, But from what I did read, the client was giving honest and quite constructive feedback and it was actually the coach's ego that was bruised and so they felt the need, you know, for whatever reason, I'll never know, to publicly roast the client to save face. They didn't directly tag or mention the client but it was quite clear that, you know, the, the coach was talking about this client, this comment, et cetera, et cetera. If anything, that's the coach's problem, not the no longer a prospective client's problem. So self-development is, for a lack of a better term, a journey. Yes, there, I said it. And as you learn and grow, you level up. 
and require greater knowledge and experience or expertise in your coach or you require something different. And for you to continue to grow, that's kind of what has to happen. And that's the same in life. You run 5K, you run either faster or you run longer. You get your L plates, then you get your P plates. You know, we level up throughout the course of our lives and personal development isn't any different. So we level up and I really do take my hat off to this client for actually A, being honest, B, providing feedback and C, kind of copying all of the wrath of this coach. Because without feedback, we don't know. I was actually really disappointed in the coach. I know this coach and for her to respond that way actually surprised me. She didn't take what I would consider to be one of the principles of coaching, which is feedback. You know, feedback is a good thing because it provides us with an opportunity to grow and learn or at least reflect and to be a better coach. And instead, she shut it down and she became extremely defensive when actually had the criticism been flippant or lacking thought, you know, I would have understood her reaction. Probably wouldn't have condoned doing it publicly, but I would have understood it. Whereas this feedback was very well thought out. And while it may not have, you know, needed to be public, as I've said, it was still very considered. And I think there's a missed opportunity there for learning when our ego comes in and defends us, when instead maybe it has a little bit of validity and we should take it on the chin and at least consider it. And then if we throw it away, if we don't agree with it or take it on board or make changes, you know, if, if we feel that it does have that credibility. On the flip side of this, there is a cohort of people who find coaching and are vulnerable to the, you know, let's call them highly ambitious coaches who are not only in it to help and serve, but who are equally in it to win. These coaches are often very interested in their own self-gain, millionaire status type thing, laptop lifestyle, and again, ego and selling. But let me be clear, this does not mean that a coach that is like that or presents on social media like that, social media is obviously a massive marketing tool for coaches, as it should be, you know, it doesn't mean that these coaches that appear to be flashy, a millionaire sort of status, it doesn't mean that they don't want to help someone. It doesn't mean that they don't want to help you. A coach like this who is incredibly ambitious, wanting to grow their profile, their name, their business, is often just as likely to be in it to help people as somebody who is a little bit more um, in the shadows or I'm trying to think of the word, like just not as flamboyant or out there on social media. Often the highly ambitious coaches who are building rapid businesses and are, you know, throwing around millionaire type status things you know often they believe the more people they reach the more people they can help and serve and I agree with that 100% look at Tony Robbins the reach he has it's amazing or Brooke Castillo or you know really really great coaches that have great reach they have such a massive impact because their reach is so broad and so wide but sometimes if you don't know yourself going into this coaching space into this coaching thing and you don't really know what to look for what you want as a client from the outset, if you don't know that, then, you know, a highly ambitious, flashy coach may not be the relationship to start with. At the end of this episode, I'll take you through some questions to answer and things to consider, you know, if you are looking to get a coach. 
a very good girlfriend of mine who's a fantastic coach, very, very ethical in my opinion, coach, once called out another coach for paying for a magazine article to call him one of Australia's best business coaches. And I know of this coach, not well, uh, and I absolutely don't know him in a coaching capacity. And let me be clear about this too. If you happen to see an article that labels somebody as Australia's best business coach and you're like, oh, I need to talk to them and you call him and you like him and you resonate and he gets you results and you feel like you're confident in his ability to help and do that, by all means, employ him as a coach. You know, why not? All I'm saying is do your due diligence ahead of time to know what you want from a coach and then find the best coach for you to get that result. That's all. So I don't know um, as to whether he is or isn't a good coach. Um, So I don't really know his ethical compass, but I do know I wouldn't feel right paying for an article to be published about me that calls me (laughs) Australia's best business coach. That to me only has credibility if it was published by the ICF or the NLPAA and it wasn't something I, the coach, paid for. If the label of Australia's best business coach is coming from the ICF or the NLPAA, then they have evidence to support that in the way of qualifications, memberships and accreditations. Throughout their process of credentialing, I know the ICF at least, coaches um, are actually audited like as in actual paying clients of that coach consent to having a certified ICF mentor listen to a live coaching session the coach is having with them to accredit and critique the coach, not only for feedback and professional development, but to actually get that coach to earn their credential. So it's not somebody just declaring it for themselves. I'm not on Facebook very much. I feel like it steals my focus and time flies when I'm on it and I achieve nothing. (laughs) And it also removes my presence from those around me. So I really try to avoid it. But I was flicking the other day and I came across this post by a coach I must follow. And it was very lengthy about the coaching industry ethics and why she left the coaching industry. And yet in that same post, she talks about the fact that she was a very successful coach. Like, you know, if earning millions of dollars through coaching is what we deem successful. So, again, I don't know if the post was true or not. And for me personally, this is what, if anything, has tainted my experience of the coaching industry. It's not actually the coaching that's the problem, the art and the science that is coaching, as much as it is the business building and the sales and marketing tactics within the coaching space. And sometimes using coaching tools and models to sell and manipulate and influence and get ahead. And I've been a sales coach in the coaching industry, so I know how they can be used. I have also used them hand on heart, full transparency. And that's why I'm about to tell you what I'm about to tell you. This is the main reason I started this podcast, because I want people to understand how to recognize in themselves first what they want in their life, how to employ a coach to get the coaching that they want and to understand their own boundaries before they step in or to recognize that they are feeling less than their best self know that they have the opportunity to change it if they choose and that they are in complete control of the outcomes that they have. This Facebook post spoke about somebody not realizing that their life was actually awesome. 
you know, before they were in the coaching space. They described the industry, you know, as this industry that wants more and more and more and saying things like they were wrong, there were things wrong with them and that they needed fixing. And I can see that. I can see where that perception may have come from. And I also understand that once you've studied personal development and self-help, that there seems to be this expectation of constantly having to improve yourself and grow and push your boundaries and expand your comfort zone and to be more. It even resonated with me when this post said normal life isn't enough and that that's a perception that the coaching industry not only places on you but has. My rebuttal to that is that you always have a choice and actually the way I've always seen it is the coaching space, you know, I say this to every client I have, coaching is a tool, a tool in the hands of a well-intentioned person like a qualified coach with good intentions or clients who are looking to enhance their education and self-help toolkit to be better human beings and happier human beings will use coaching tools for good purposes, as will clients and trainers, employers, etc., Or if you want to use the tools negatively, the same applies. You will and you can. We can all use coaching for good or for evil. The choice is yours. And that applies to coaches and clients, trainers. And let's be honest, the same principle applies to any tool anywhere in life. Firearms are the main example that come to my mind. In the hands of a farmer to end the pain and suffering for an animal, great. The firearm in the hands of a mentally deranged person who walks into a cafe in Port Arthur one day and open fires on everyone in there even walks down to children and does that evil evil behavior I also think it's very easy to look back on your life in hindsight different seasons of it and think things were great especially if you're someone who thinks about things positively And when you focus forward, you always consider the future to be bright and hopeful and positive and sometimes maybe that things will be better. I think when you focus forward that way, sometimes you also focus backwards the same way. So when you look back and you think about all the good things or most of the good things and because you do that, then it's easy to look at where you are now and have the negatives more highlighted, more prevalent. I've been through many jobs and places and circumstances in my life and part of the reason I've moved on and on and on was not only because I wanted adventure and diversity and change and to experience all the things that I could but also because I was often moving away from something I wasn't enjoying and I wanted to find what was going to make that difference to make me happier. It was really that grass is always green on the other side thing. So I can reflect on my time in London which was in 2013 and 2014 And from 2023's perspective, that time in my life was incredible. When I think about that time, I think about being in this awesome office, you know, the the high-performance tennis centre in the UK where international tennis players came to practice and train. And with this job that I loved, I got to travel with it, with people who I think respected my work ethic and really embraced me as part of the team. I had housemates that you know, for the most part, two out of the three, are still really good friends of mine today. The house we lived in was lovely. I had lots of social time. Every week I was out and socialising and experiencing London. When I wasn't in London, I was travelling. It was the most travel that I've ever done. 
not only in frequency, but in countries where I got to go. All around Europe. UK, Spain, France, Iceland, Czech Republic. I got to sail Croatia. I did some incredible things. I kissed the Blarney Stone. So many things and places that I wouldn't have seen had I not lived in London and made that move when I did. And yet I have diaries from that time. Not many. I'm not a huge diary keeper, but I do have some from that time. And when I read them, what I was actually experiencing at that time, underneath all of that incredible amazingness, the things that you would see on social media, for instance, was real conflict over my future, whether I was ever going to have enough money to buy a house, the fact that I didn't actually want to come back to Australia, but I missed my family so terribly. I was so homesick for my family. I was single. I was doing it alone while I was still pining after this guy who was never really interested in me and that hurt. You know, I missed a lot of Australian culture, although when I was in England trying to amalgamate back to Australian culture was so, so hard. You know, I was trying to embrace the differences that I was experiencing in in England. I wasn't earning much money at all and despite being extremely happy in my work, that was a real point of discontent for me. I had you know, real ambitions to earn a lot more money and I just couldn't do it there. And yet that time in my life, that job would have been perfect for the time when I had a young family because it had that kind of lifestyle and I absolutely loved it there. So all of my pain was real. It was intrinsic. It was within me. And I can follow that same discontentment throughout the many phases of my life that I went through, not just London. There's that expression, you can't run away from your problems, something like that. And in my experience, that's true. But looking back from where I am now, it was all rainbows and butterflies. And my future is similar, rainbows and butterflies. But in actual fact, what Brooke Castillo talks about all the time is that life is 50-50. No matter what's happening for you in life, no matter where you are, what you're doing, how you present on social media, you'll experience life 50% positive emotion and 50% negative emotion. What you choose to remember and what you choose to focus on may not be. So when I see coaches I know having it out on social media based on ethics and ego and where I see their offer and honest feedback, you know, ethics in coaching is really interesting as a dilemma. And the reason that it's so important to recognize it is because it's so subjective. I know what I mean when I say ethical or unethical. And you can think of something as ethical or unethical in a different way than I do, but they're exactly the same thing. There are so many shades of grey. For instance, I don't have a problem with pushy sales as long as I've ascertained that that person I'm selling to is just a little bit scared. I know I can support you in overcoming hurdles you're currently experiencing and I know that I can get you to a point where you will really thrive and you'll be like, oh my God, how did I not do this years sooner? But I absolutely do not feel ethical about pushing you to buy from me when there is a significant monetary objection. I've done it and it doesn't work. It's horrible. I've met many people who have pushed and sold very hard. It never fares well. It feels horrible. It's hard work. And they've often been the most difficult clients because they've been the most pressured and worried because money is fairly black and white. Whereas if it's fear-based, we can work with that to make someone stronger, to take that adversity head-on together and overcome hurdles. That type of work is fun and empowering and challenging. And it just, I love watching my client just blossom. It's beautiful. It's, you know, it's one of the best parts about my job as a coach. 
I get to witness that and it's just the best. And while I say it's the best, it's also challenging but in a really resourceful way. We can really change somebody's life when they can overcome their fears and start to see the potential they have within them and that what they're feeling right now is manageable, temporary and they can actually achieve whatever it is they want to achieve. Money is a different story and yet I've seen many coaches hard sell in a way that's even made me uncomfortable and I really truly believe it's unnecessary unless somebody is willing to make sacrifices elsewhere to counterbalance that expense, which is possible if you work it out that way, then that's great. But when it's at a sacrifice that is too great and too pressured, is you just you're walking on fairly fairly uncertain ground there. But this is why there's always going to be disagreements about what is and what is not ethical in coaching. The ICF is incredible for having a code of ethics and being a governing body. But on the same hand, I like the fact that this industry is unregulated and not ladled with red tape. I've wondered whether not having my certificate in training assessing has held me back from people hiring me as their trainer in a business. Because training and assessing is an RTO standard and some businesses, specifically government, require that checkbox to be met before they'll employ you. But I find it bureaucratic and somewhat a false standard as I don't believe for one second that that guarantees a level of quality or competence, um, unfortunately, because any RTO standard can keep things really outdated because of the process they have to follow, the auditing, the, the checking to change the curriculum to keep it relevant and up to date. So for those reasons, I'm really happy the coaching industry is free reign. It involves a level of experimentation with the latest neuroscience or with the aim of getting results. It often tests and pushes new boundaries. Um, And if it was forced to conform to like an RTO framework, it would lose its progressiveness. So the freedom the industry has is not something I would change. But it does mean I want to help educate people to make the most of it if they want to, while also having a level of protection against the the downsides, which let's be honest, every industry has, whether it's governed or not. So if you're like me, you've seen Facebook posts like this (laughs) and it slightly turns you off hiring a coach or the industry itself, all you need to do is to be careful about what it is you look for and that's why I'm here. And to be honest, this is more about you trusting yourself and your decision-making process than it is about the coach. So providing you do your due diligence, and I will definitely refer you to episode one for more information, um, and there's a downloadable form there to kind of help ask you some more detailed questions, Um, but go back to episode one, have a listen, um, and do the form if you feel it's necessary. But having a coach will change your life in whatever way you choose it to. So you've got to ask, why are you seeing a coach? What are the outcomes you want specifically? Who are you looking at to coach you? And what is it about them that drew you to them? Because there is definitely something or some things. You know, is it that they have something you want? Do they have an X factor about them, a confidence about them or their results? Do you want someone that's going to hold space for you and be able to coach you in the best of their abilities? You absolutely want a confident coach. Not necessarily a flashy, showy coach, but a confident coach. And remember, ethics are subjective. So know yours. 
What are some things you're willing to consider and maybe open up to, to achieve what you want, to change, to grow, you know, to feel more fulfilled or more of the feelings you want to feel on a daily basis? And what will you absolutely never find ethical? What are your hard no's? What are your boundaries? Also, it's not up to you to decide what is or what is not ethical for somebody else. But you absolutely can and should for yourself. I believe coaches come with the best of intentions, with pure intentions. I believe all coaches start their journey wanting to help and serve and change people's lives. And in the most extreme change the world type scenario, you know, through coaching techniques and empowering people by raising clients' awareness and education, giving them strategies to overcome personal emotional hurdles that they're experiencing today, to live a fulfilled and happy and conscientious life. And different coaches go about this differently. Everybody's journeys there I said it again, journeys, whether you're a coach or a client or everything in between, everyone has their own way of getting there and way of doing that, way they want to serve. Once you have a life coach for the first time, you get to choose whether you keep growing and expanding your horizons, conquering new challenges, leveling up, all of that is up to you. You can do some self-improvement to feel better day to day and then find contentment and be settled and happy in that for the rest of your life. You can see a coach for what may be a quick fix. You may choose to see a coach religiously for the rest of your life. Again, it's all up to you. You can choose to continue to grow. You can start and stop whenever you like because once you know it, you can't unknow it how you use it is up to you always the choice is always yours i'll see you next week my friends bye for now hey before you go i always find reviews really helpful when looking for new information or insights if you found this podcast valuable please take a minute to write a quick review about what you found most beneficial so that other people can benefit from your insights and have the listen as well i would love that Also, if there are any topics you want me to cover specifically about life coaching or the life coaching industry, visit rhiannonbush.com to contact me. Thanks for joining and I'll see you in the next episode of the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast.